Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me today. Glad you're here. Happy you're listening. Well, the the Queen of England, um, the great 70-year reign of the former Queen of England uh, ceased last week. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but this was the longest reigning period for any monarch. And, um, and of course, that's, that's a pretty substantial piece of history. And it is interesting, you know, this uh, queen, I mean, she looked pretty good, you know, for 96, just a few days ago. Uh, you know, she swore in the, the new prime minister, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But she looked pretty good. I was thinking, man, this at the time I was thinking, man, this woman's going to live forever, you know. And literally two days later, she passes away. So, you know, not unexpected, but a sad day, I guess, for people who love the monarch. I know I have people in my family that really like the whole royal family thing, and, and that's great. I really pretty much am indifferent to it. I've watched, you know, um, The Crown and shows like that, and those are really good shows. I mean, they're very entertaining, and there's definitely a lot of interesting family dynamics, but, you know, whether they have a monarchy or don't have a monarchy, I could really care less. But uh, now King Charles II, you know, the former Prince Charles of Wales, is going to, uh, or has assumed the throne, and uh, will be king uh, for some foreseeable future. And um, now, the, the, for those of you that don't know, uh, the prime minister in England is not also the head of state. It's, it's more like a representative for the ruling party. Uh, and in this case, the, uh, they have the Labor Party and then they have the uh, Conservative Party. And this new prime minister, Liz Truss, she's um, uh, with the conservative party. And, um, and then the king, or you know, formerly the queen, they were the head of state. So the, in the United States, the president of the United States is, is our executive leader, like the prime minister. But the president is also the head of state in the United States. So we have, we have kind of a different um, configuration than Great Britain does their head of state is actually the monarchy. So um, King Charles III will be the new head of state in uh, Great Britain, and Liz Truss will be the new prime minister of Great Britain. So interesting, uh, lots of change in the UK here just in the last week. And, um, you know, this is, this is uh, the timing is interesting because, you know, Great Britain's facing a lot of challenges. Um, uh, as is the United States. Um, and in some ways, they're similar. Uh, these are, in my mind, these are created challenges. These are challenges that didn't have to exist that were created by government. But we'll see, you know, if the, if the new government, both the head of state and, um, and the prime minister, will be able to turn this around. I suspect more of the load will fall on the prime minister just because 
so many of the, the problems that we have are political problems. And of course, to turn those around, those are, those are going to have to be political solutions. So yeah, today I, I thought we'd, we'd uh, have an interview, um, uh, critique an interview between uh, uh, Fox Business, uh, Neil Cavuto and Nigel Farage. Now, Nigel Farage, just so the, the, just for those that don't know who he is, he became kind of a prominent, he's, he's like an MP with the European Union, or was, I guess, and uh, he became kind of prominent in the whole Brexit movement and was a very critical, very instrumental in that movement and uh, been very critical of the, the British government and the United States government for, for years now. He's a very conservative figure as far as politicians go and a very smart, very smart guy, uh, always interesting to listen to, always has an interesting take on things. So I thought we'd play this interview with Nigel Farage and, um, and just see what he has to say and then comment on it. We will transform Britain into an aspiration nation with high paying jobs, safe streets, and where everyone everywhere has the opportunities they deserve. All right, Liz, Tar, uh, Liz Truss, I should say, taking over as the new prime minister, the fourth conservative uh, leader here in Britain since uh, conservatives took the helm of power back in 2010. Uh, that's about as long as she has been a political figure. So this is a meteoric rise. She didn't start out Maggie Thatcher right, uh, but she is right now. Let's get the read from Nigel Farage, the uh, Brexit leader, uh, former top advisor to the former prime minister. These opening comments were made by Liz Truss himself, herself. And, um, you know, the first thing that I'm struck with is just, you know, governments really can't create jobs. They really can't do any of the things that she talked about. Uh, the best they can really hope to do is to get out of the way, you know, kind of have an easy tax system, uh, you know, promote liberty and freedom, individualism, and then turn the power of the people loose on the economy. That's, that's really all governments can really do. But, you know, this, the, the 20th century and the first part of the 21st century has been marked by, you know, central planningism, you know, uh, fiat money and, and we can do anything we can imagine, you know, possible. And this, this, is, um, this is creating a lot of problems. It's not obvious to everybody yet. But it will become obvious, just like financial bubbles, when they pop, they become obvious to everybody. When, when all this central planning doesn't work and actually makes us poor, actually lowers our standard of living, it'll become obvious to everybody. But it, it could go on for some time. And so to the extent that Great Britain is going to be able to turn things around, we'll, we'll really be uh, dictated on how Liz Truss governs, what's her philosophy on government. It sounds like she used to be a liberal, so I can't, I can't imagine that she's done a 180 turn. I mean, she, she may be more of an energy independent person now, or she may be, um, you know, she may have some views shifted, but it's, it's very unusual for someone to go, uh, you know, from an anti Margaret Thatcher, you know, to a, you know, and in, in staunch liberal to, governing in a conservative way, whatever that means. But we'll see. And uh, I think Nigel Farage, he has a, a similar kind of 
uh, opinion. Uh, Nigel, always good to have you. Uh, maybe you could give me an idea of what we can expect out of the new prime minister. Will she follow in the mold of a Maggie Thatcher, uh, someone she repudiated not too many years ago? I'm just wondering your thoughts. Yes, you're right. She was a young protester, a Thatcher out protester. She was a very strong liberal. Uh, she wanted to get rid of the Queen. She voted Remain. But she tells us she's been on a Damascene conversion. And yesterday she said, I was elected as a Conservative. I will govern as a Conservative. And I thought, wow. What a lovely change that'll make after 12 years and three previous prime ministers, all of whom pretended to be conservative, but governed as social democrats. So she clearly does believe now in free markets. She believes in lower taxes. She believes in helping business. Um, and on energy, which is the big one, and this country is on the edge of a financial precipice unless we sort this out, on energy, she has talked about increasing UK supply this could be a real turnabout you know uh, in the same way that uh, people come to uh, reality in the financial markets when when things go south and you have a big sell-off and a bunch of wealth is lost you know the same kind of um, coming to Jesus or coming to reality uh, can happen uh, in the political sphere you know when you when you, when you see, when you observe all these policies implemented and you only see things getting worse, people getting poor, businesses closing, opportunity decreasing, um, you know, in, in financial difficulty increasing, uh, standard of living decreasing. When you, when you see these, these pieces of evidence, it does have a tendency for the open-minded person, at least, to, you know, make an about face to say, you know, well, none of this is working. That actually happened in this country during uh, the Great Depression. You know, the, a lot of Roosevelt um, uh, interconnected people uh, changed their minds about a lot of things that Roosevelt was doing because it was just not working. Um, I, I didn't prepare to talk about that, so I don't, I can't recall the, the names of some of the people, but you know, there's, there's people on record saying, hey, you know, we've spent gobs of money. We've implemented all kinds of programs. Uh, employment's never been higher. Um, excuse me, unemployment has never been higher. Uh, opportunity has never been lower. You know, maybe what we're doing is not working. I mean, there were people in the Roosevelt administration saying that. And and so, yeah, you know, I mean, if if... If, if you have if you look at your policies and none of them are you know achieving the, the stated uh, in, you know intended outcome then a reasonable person you know would have to step back and say you know well that's just not working now none of that ever worked in the Soviet Union they just kept talking about you know the next five years yeah we've gone through a tough time but in the next five years it's going to be great. And of course, those five years would come and go, and it would be a disaster. But um, but people that are ideologically ideologically, I guess is the right word, uh, really connected to their beliefs, um, you know, have a hard time giving them up. And I look, and I would even say that about myself. the 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 thing about my particular beliefs is I I think they're connected to principle. 
Um, and, and I don't, uh, you know, they're very simple. They're very simple principles. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And I think that basically promotes human, human flourishing. Um, but when you, when you tell somebody they must do something, you know, the, 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 the next logical question is, okay, well, what if they don't do it? You know, what are you going to do? And we talked about this last week, son, with this make me culture that Ray Dalio was bringing up, you know, and, and that's what happens when, when, when people, when you tell people they must do something, you know, you're trying to coerce people to do something and they don't want to do it. Then the question becomes, okay, what, what are you going to do to make them do it? And of course, the government has a monopoly on the use of violence and what they do is they pass laws and they throw people in jail or they fine you or they ruin your life some other way. They just otherwise destroy you. And, you know, this to recognize that coercion really doesn't work to promote human flourishing, I think is a, you know, it's a very rare thing for someone to, to recognize that and then change their ideology. So, you know, just chalk me up as a skeptic. Uh, of Liz Truss, but who knows, you know, she may surprise us all. So my position on this is, I'm not sure whether to entirely believe her, but I will absolutely, for the sake of the country, give her the benefit of the doubt, give her a chance to prove who she is. I'm just wondering, what do you think explains, since I guess Cameron came to power, uh, this leftward tilt, uh, capped by Boris Johnson, raising taxes fairly dramatically? Um, how did that happen? Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, Tony Blair was a very, very dominant figure in British politics, and it seemed that David Cameron wanted to model himself on Tony Blair. And since then, you know, we really haven't had a proper conservative figure. So Cavuto's question is, you know, what has created this tilt? And many of you know uh, that listen regularly that uh, that I've studied engineering. Now, I don't claim to be a great engineer or anything like that. But to be an engineer, I think your mind does have to work a particular kind of way. It has to be kind of principle-based. You have to kind of work with the laws of nature and things like that. And one of the things I always think about is what I call the linchpin. You know, the, a linchpin is like if you had a, like a truss, like a bridge. And if I pulled out this one pin you know, this one connection point, the whole thing would come crumbling down. That's what I call the linchpin, or that's what is referred to as a linchpin. It's not really my definition, but so when I, when I think of, you know, what has really, at least in this century, this most recent century where uh, central banks have taken just a huge, an enormously active role in, um, in our governments, um, you know, to me, the linchpin is the monetary system. It's the, it's what, what's happened in, a, in an indirect sort of way is these politicians have figured out that, wow, we can just print money and we can buy all kinds of things and do all kinds of things to help our people. We can just pass laws and spend money and nobody gets hurt. And the problem is that this even takes someone who's not really steeped in any kind of principle will, will kind of lurch in that direction because they think, wow, you know, yeah, there's, 
there's really been no consequences of this. We don't have massive inflation like Zimbabwe or anything. So, you know, because we have our own sovereign currency, you know, there's no cost to doing this. So let's do all this central planning. Let's, let's really put some of these ideas into action and really do some good. I mean, look, I don't think these people are, are evil per se, but in trying to do good, but using the monetary system to do it, and with the monetary system being inherently uh, unfair and dishonest, you get these uh, these kind of adverse effects, right? You get these uh, all of a sudden opportunity is going down, and uh, you know employment is is good, but you get all these kind of phony jobs, right? You get uh, a lot of people working in industries that really you're kind of scratching your head going, why is that an important industry? So this is kind of, and eventually it, it creates rot, right? And it, and it breeds corruption and it, it does some of these, it has some of these, uh, what, what economists call externalities, these, these, uh, these effects that second order, third order effects that just make things worse. And so to me, that's what has caused the lurch to the left. It's not so much, um, you know, I don't know what, I can't even remember what Nigel was talking about here, but he was talking about Tony Blair and he, how he was a, you know, a, a, a very powerful figure. And, you know, I, I guess his point is, is that, you know, he's hard to live up to or something, but no, 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 I don't think that's it. I think, I think in the, in the age of central banks, these politicians have, have gotten more creative about, what they imagine they might be able to do in their uh, in their economies for their people, and maybe with good intentions, but the outcomes are disastrous. The country thought Boris Johnson was because he picked up on the mantra of Brexit and controlling borders, something arguably that I forced him into. And when he put that to the country, he won the biggest majority in 40 years. And I think in all of our capital cities where, you know, politicians are influenced, conservatives are influenced by big business, big media, uh, they finish up miles away from ordinary voters living outside the beltways. And that's happened again and again to the British Conservative Party. Party. They've not been conservative at all. So Nigel Farage bring, brings up a really good point here. You know, when when Boris Johnson was running around talking about no, we need to we need to execute Brexit because the sovereignty of the British people is at stake and we can't control our own destiny. This is this resonated with people. People saw this faraway ruler in the European Union as a problem for Great Britain. But then, then he came into power, and, and again, you know, his instincts were correct. But I think once you get in there, you know, it's it's like I don't know who said this, but somebody's, you know, I think it was a Putin said this. You know, the problem with America, and it's the same way in Great Britain, is you 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 run as a politician or a populist. You run on what people see as the problem, and you tap into something. But then when you show up to do your duty. Uh, some guys in some dark suits show up and they tell you, hey, look, this is how it's done. You know, this is this is the way we do things around here. So, you know, these 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 bureaucracies, these uh, the administrative class, the um, you know, the the, the permanent politi- the permanent bureaucracy really runs the state and controls these politicians. And of course, the biggest 
lever in that group is the Federal Reserve in the United States or the Bank of England in the UK. And just in general, it's central banks. And the reason central banks are so powerful is because governments don't really have to get, there, there's no price for the citizen to pay for the government largesse when there's a central bank involved. They can just borrow it, kick the can down the road, and pretend like they're achieving all these things. You know, they're, they're building, you know, massive infrastructure projects and they're, they're outfitting, you know, our entire energy infrastructure with renewable energy and, you know, all the costs of all that are pushed off into the future. So people look at it and they go, oh, wow, yeah, we can actually build windmills and do all this and make the environment cleaner. And there's, there's no real cost to us. Well, that's because the costs are in the future. And this changes the way people imagine government should be doing things for them. Like, like it changes people from, think, from thinking uh, the government just needs to stay out of my business, uh, make sure somebody doesn't invade us, and, and make sure that, uh, that nobody encroaches on my liberty. That's really all I want the government to do. And there's a transition from that to, oh, wow, you know, yeah, the government needs to build out all this infrastructure. They need to, uh, you know, transform our energy society because of global warming and all these boogeymen that uh, the, the progressive people run around and create. And, and all of a sudden you have this shift in mindset where people think all this stuff is really possible and there's no real costs associated with it. The problem is the costs are all in the future and those costs are about to start coming due. And we, and it's going to be obvious then that this was all a huge mistake, you know, takes away the oomph of the passionate members of the party uh, who very much did like Boris Johnson and some of the good things he did felt that, uh, you know, the, the party turned on him. And that seems to happen a lot where, where, where the party is what turns on the prime minister, not, not outside forces. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't have a presidential system. We don't have an open primary system. Uh, we are a party-run country. And when we vote, we don't even vote for a prime minister. Right. You know, we vote for a member of parliament to represent our constituency. Yeah, you know, Great Britain doesn't have a presidency. We talked a little bit about that earlier. But notice that you don't even get to vote on the prime minister, okay? You get to vote on a member of parliament, and then the parliament, um, the party, whatever party is in control of parliament, gets to select the prime minister. This is actually a really good system. This is a, in my mind, this is a better system than what we have, because in our system, you get, you get what's called the imperial presidency. You get essentially a guy who can write executive orders and do all this stuff uh, without uh, a legitimate force of law. And, you know, it's just a source of potential tyranny. And, and, and especially with the Biden administration, you can see, you can see this, right? He felt like that everybody should take the COVID shot. So what does he do? He just by executive law tells OSHA, okay, go promulgate some policies to, uh, you know, to carry out COVID shots, mandatory COVID shots with companies that have a hundred employees or more. And then so OSHA goes and does that. Well, that's, that's not, I mean, there's no pushback. There's no, I mean, how is that what the people want? That's what Joe Biden wants. And so, 
this is a real problem in our in our government. But in in the UK government, you know, you don't really have democracy, which is better. You you don't have mob rule. Democracy is essentially mob rule. You know, I used to try to when I back when George Bush was president, and he was it became kind of unpopular toward the end. I used to ask people, I'd say, well, you know, if 50% of the population plus one decided that, uh, you know, went to the polls and voted to put a bullet in George Bush's head, you know, do you think that we should do that? You know, and I was, I was trying to shock people, right? I wanted them to think, well, you know, most people would say, well, no, you know, we can't do that. And I said, well, that's democracy. You know, that's, that's the majority rule. That's, that's what the majority of people say. So anything that the majority of the people say uh, by, by virtue makes it correct and something we should pursue as a people, as a country. I mean, this is an absurd idea, really. But this is what we've become. And, of course, the 17th Amendment, back when it was passed, uh, was a big part of this, right? The, the 17th Amendment is the amendment to the Constitution that basically made senators, uh, they were previously chosen by state legislatures so that the states would have a representative in the federal government. But we, we changed that to popularly elected. So now senators are popularly elected, uh, congressmen and women are popularly elected. So now everybody's popular, the president's popularly elected. So everybody's popularly elected and so we you know we now we have a democracy and that's why the polls are such a big deal you know the polls say that the majority of americans believe this or believe that and of course it you know matters how you ask the question but the point is we we're more of a democracy now now some people will point to the the um, electoral college and say that that doesn't make us a democracy you know that that stands in the way of being a democracy yeah, for the presidential election, but the vast majority of representation comes through Congress. And in my mind, one of the biggest problems with our government is the states don't have a representative. The states don't have somebody in Congress advocating for the state as a whole. And that's a huge problem in America. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he he talks about, you know, some flaws in our in our in our corresponding systems, but I mean, the, the reality is, you know, he Cavuto's right. I mean, this this turn doesn't necessarily come from the people, or at least it comes from the people indirectly. It doesn't come from the people directly. That's not what drives uh, the change in prime minister. Uh, what drives the change in prime minister is the constituency in parliament and how they feel about what the prime minister is doing, which is exactly what it what it should be you know um we we really don't have any control over our executive i mean we can impeach him but um you know that's about it so in some ways i think their system is preferable to ours at least this part of it 
Uh, but I have to say, with four prime ministers in the space of six years, um, I think there are one or two questions, Neil, being asked in this country about the way things are working. There are imperfections with both systems. Ours at the moment isn't serving us very well. What I will say is this, though. Unless the Conservative Party get a grip, we're going to find the pound going into free fall against the dollar, inflation going through 20%, energy possible blackouts coming this winter, and a massive socialist Labour majority next time round. Liz Truss has said some of the right things. She now needs to act very, very quickly. Yeah, you know, we have the same kind of things here, right? People saying the right things, and then they get elected, and they do something different. Again, in the in the U.S., I think it's this... Uh, permanent state, the permanent bureaucratic administrative state that keeps a lot of that from happening. But yeah, you know, it, it, the other thing is it's it's not enough just to act. You have to act in the right way. What is she going to do? What are her policies? You know, a lot of these a lot of these uh, uh, interventionist policies that exist um, due to the the wheeling and dealing for all this money to to spend. These are very entrenched policies now. They're not going to be easy to get rid of. Um, now, I think he's wrong about the pound. I think the pound is probably about as weak as it's going to get against the dollar. Uh, we're, we're going to see the pound really uh, shoot up here, I think, in the, in the short run. But the, the inflation could also go up. In other words, we could have a like a stagflation environment, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. And so... I think um, until these governments really uh, structurally attack the problems, the underlying problems, which are these entitlement programs in the UK, they have a, a national health care system. You know, the reality is people need to be responsible for their own their own expenses. Now, by the same token, they need a good market to access. And, of course, anywhere you have some sort of government program, uh, whether it be for health care or food stamps or whatever, that, that's, not, that, that's an intervention into the market and creates all kinds of distortion. So, you know, yes, we need to get rid of some of these things, but we also need, we also need good, healthy markets. And a lot of these governments have been working to undermine those things. So it just depends on what she does. I mean, I, I don't know what she could do. Uh, let's say in the next year or two, that would make a huge difference in the UK. I, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with what what's going on in the UK now. What they could do to start off is, like he says, you know, change the energy policy, get rid of all this green bullshit, and get back in the North Sea, start producing oil and gas. I mean, UK has the potential to save Europe here. I mean, Europe is going to be in a bad way come winter when there's no gas flowing from Gazprom in Russia. So, you know, one of the things she could do immediately that would have an immediate effect is get the energy system turned around, get the whole policy momentum working back in the direction of fossil fuels. And that would go a long way to help the UK and Europe. But to your point, the British pound continues to swoon. It's close to a 40-year low versus the dollar. So the euro isn't doing much better, I might point out. But what is going on there, and how can she even address that from the outside, uh, if you think about it, outside uh, the European you know, Union? 
it's all down to one big six-letter word, energy. Trump made America energy independent. And whilst Biden hasn't been particularly keen on hydrocarbon production, compare that to us, where we refuse to produce our own gas, coal, and nowhere near enough oil, and Germany, who are totally dependent on Russia, and now Mr. Putin has decided to turn off the taps. That is why the euro is so weak. That is why the pound is so weak. That is why we are subjected to gas prices that, unless government acts, literally would put millions of people into cold and poverty this winter. Things this side of the pond have gone wrong because we've gone for a net zero agenda. We've all decided to go green, to rely on wind turbines, which are great when the wind blows, but catastrophic when they don't. We're in big trouble on this side of the pond. It needs a really big rethink. Yeah, you know, when I think of this green energy stuff, I think I think the American public is just so susceptible now to public relations campaigns, marketing campaigns. I mean, we're sold to, we've, we've become accustomed to being sold to. And, you know, the government, you know, is no different. The government sells its ideas to the American public. It, the media is on board with, you know, promoting it. Um, nobody's really thinking through any of this stuff. They're just, uh, it sounds like a good idea. And yeah, I mean, in the face of, uh, you know, the globe is warming and the seas are going to rise and all that, you know, well, we need to do something, right? That's what people say. Well, yeah, Seth, but we need to do something. No, no, that's, that's not how you approach uh, these quote unquote problems. You don't, you don't just say, well, we need to do something. Something's better than anything. That's not, that's not the way it works. You can actually kill a whole bunch of people if you turn the gas off in the winter, you know, a bunch of people are going to die as a result of that. Um, so, you know, now if you just don't care, if, you're, if your attitude is, well, you know, we need to do something and it doesn't matter if a bunch of people die. Well, then what are we talking about here? What, what, what good is the government for anyway? I mean, the government is not supposed to take our lives. It's supposed to preserve our lives, preserve our liberty. So if, if it's pursuing a policy that, you know, is antithetical to human life, to human flourishing, then what's the point of having a government? I mean, let's just get rid of the government at that point. So, and this is the same way I feel about COVID. I mean, why is the government pursuing this COVID now, this, these COVID shots still, even though we have excess deaths that are increasing, we clearly have some bad outcomes uh, that are going on. So why, why is it pursuing this? And, uh, you know, it can't just be the end result justifies the means that, that is not, uh, that's not a legitimate, um, uh, that's not a legitimate precept for government. Um, the ends can't justify the means, the means, um, uh, the means have to be a part of whatever the ends are. And in my mind, the end's always freedom. The, 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 end is, is all, the ends are always liberty, property. These are things, uh, human individualism, these are the things that have propelled Western civilization. Not government propaganda, PR campaigns, marketing to people. You know, we probably need to do a show, uh, need to do a, uh, an episode on PR and 
you know, the father of PR and some of the, some of the uh, public relations, you know, uh, things that have happened over the course of history. It's really interesting to look at the history of public relations and look at some of the things that were sold to the public, you know, in the name of some better future, you know. And the reality is that if there's going to be a better future, it's not going to be because government delivers it. It's going to be because people work together. Uh, there's going to be a division of labor. There's, you know, it takes uh, an army of people working together all for the benefit of themselves to produce human flourishing. It just cannot come from central planning, uh, central government banks, and quote-unquote investment, which is really just spending. So without, uh, without beating that too much more, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I hope you come back tomorrow, listen again, uh, share the show with your friends. Um, if you're so inclined, go, on, go online and write me a review on your podcatcher, and uh, maybe that'll attract some more people to the program. In the meantime, I'll try to keep putting uh, good content together for you to listen to.